And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he returned to the temple. All the people gathered around him and he sat down and taught them. The legal experts and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Placing her in the center of the group, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone women like this. What do you say? They said this to test him because they wanted a reason to bring an accusation against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. They continued to question him, so he stood up and replied, Whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. Bending down again, he wrote on the ground. Those who heard him went away one by one, beginning with the elders. Finally, only Jesus and the woman were left in the middle of the crowd. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? She said, No one, sir. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, don't sin anymore. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. We have been uh, doing some painting around our house recently, and, and in this project, we had to do some repair work on our ceiling, and so that meant we had to paint the ceiling. I have not had much luck with painting ceilings over my long, illustrious painting career. They seem just very difficult. It seems like the white paint just has a hard time covering, and you can see all kinds of streaks and if, if you know me well and, and you've ever been around me while I do projects, you know that I'm just very patient and I'm very meticulous and I, and I take my time. Uh, the confession about that is I get frustrated and irritable really easy and I, and I usually make a huge mess and, and I usually take the longest way possible to get the job done. And one afternoon, and I am not exaggerating, I spent hours painting a ceiling in our bonus room. And I began to get really frustrated because every time I looked up, there was a spot that I would miss and I would move the, the drop cloth around and, and try and repaint it. And, and every time I would, I would look again and there would be something else. And then it began to where I really couldn't see hardly anything at all. And I was beginning to get worried. I was like, well, is something wrong with me? Is, am I having a stroke? Or, or maybe I just need to take a break? And Tracy came home and came upstairs and she said, hey, and she took my glasses off my face and she said, these are horrible. And she cleaned them up and she put them back on and I could see as clear as day. <laughs> these little white specks had covered my glasses and I couldn't see hardly anything. You know, life can be like that, can it? That, that we just get so immersed in other stuff that our vision is clouded. Today we uh, start a, a new sermon series called Like Jesus. And Jesus was sent to us to show us how to live in a right relationship with God and with each other. And our job is to be like Jesus. We need to clean the cloudy glasses that we view the world so that we can see like Jesus. 
You know, there are so many things that are happening in our lives that mess up how we see the world. Uh, our view becomes clouded by worry, by anxiety, by anger. And when we look at life through these cloudy glasses, it pushes us to be judgmental about the world around us. And we're pretty social creatures, aren't we? Uh, it's kind of our instinct to judge each other. Uh, we judge each other on our driving skills or, or lack thereof. Uh, we, we judge people on their parenting, on the clothes that they wear, uh, on their choice of words. The list can just go on and on and on about the way in which we judge each other. And one of the problems is judging is bad for your health. Not just in a spiritual sense, but recent research in psychology has shown that having a judgmental spirit can add stress and anxiety and even push people away. Being a judgmental person can make other people shy away from you. They become wary of you and they think twice about sharing anything of importance because of your attitude. And, and if we want to have real, authentic, relationships with each other, we're going to have to stop using the clouded glasses in which we see the world. When I was looking at that ceiling, my eyes were fine. It was the glasses I was looking through that were messed up. This uh, scripture that, that Maddie read for us is a fairly well-known text that, that to this day we kind of miss the point. Uh, most Bibles that you'll find, if you, if you look up John 8, 1 through 12, you'll see, a, or, or 1 through 11, I added verse 12, you'll see a, um, uh, a title called Woman Caught in Adultery. Instead of something like the Pharisees try to set up Jesus, or Jesus leaves the crowd speechless. Jesus is teaching in the temple and he's causing a stir within the religious leaders of the day. Uh, they were judging Jesus because they felt that his teachings were dangerous to the way in which they were teaching people to follow God. They were looking through the cloudy glasses of power and control rather than through a lens of faithfulness to God. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they arrest this woman in hopes to arrest Jesus. They accuse her so that they can accuse him. They pull this woman from her home and they stand her in front of all who have come to the temple that day. They tell everyone to look at her and secretly imagine what possibly could have possessed this woman to have an affair 
Then they accuse her without even letting her respond, just to trick Jesus. Jesus, look at this cheating woman. If you know the law of Moses well enough to teach it here in the temple, then tell us what the consequences should be. They kept at him, tell us, Jesus, what do you see? Jesus bends down and begins to write on the ground with his finger. You know, I wonder what he was writing there. Uh, Possibly Leviticus 20 verse 10, which says this, If a man commits adultery with a married woman, committing adultery with a neighbor's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be executed. I wonder if he wrote something like that down, not to convict the woman, but possibly to expose the Pharisees and Sadducees for the deceitful ways in which they carefully select Scriptures. The man wasn't present. They didn't bring him to the temple. Now, we obviously don't know what Jesus was writing down. Uh, But whatever it was, the people at the temple, they just didn't get it. Because they continued to question him. Come on, teacher, tell us what you would do. Jesus stands up. And he says that famous phrase, whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. Now, what happens next in this story could easily be overlooked. After commanding the sinless to cast the first stone, Jesus drops down again and begins to write in the ground again. It's only at that point that the people begin to leave. And the text says they begin to leave starting first with the elders. Why do you think Jesus' accusers leave defeated? Have they not won the argument? Have they not proven that Jesus is a lax interpreter of the scripture? To me, it's noteworthy that they began to leave starting first with the elders. Because whatever Jesus was writing in the ground there, the elders understood first that they too are sinners. And if Jesus is going to follow the law, then all of them should be killed. They got their glasses cleaned. And we need to clean the cloudy glasses that we view the world so that we can see like Jesus. Now, what are some things that that we can begin to do right now that we can begin to implement today in order for for us to bridge the gap 
So we see the world less through our cloudy lenses and more how Jesus sees the world. Now this passage gives us a few clues. First, we need to look at reality. Verse, verses five and six says this. The law, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone women like this. What do you say? They said this to test him because they wanted a reason to bring an accusation against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. You know, we live in contentious times. We seem to be looking for ways to win debates and to be right rather than looking at the reality of what's going on in the world around us. And for us to see like Jesus, we need to slow down and really take a look. Here in our story, this woman is brought to the center of the temple and put on display for everyone to see her business. This had to have been humiliating for this woman. And what does Jesus do? Jesus kneels down. Does he kneel down to collect his thoughts? Does he kneel down too right in the dirt to send a message to the people? Or perhaps does he kneel down to take the focus off this woman and give her a little bit of dignity? When it comes to Jesus, he is always seeing people first. He's always putting relationships over doctrine. Time and time again, we see Jesus fall on the side of the people. The woman at the well, the Good Samaritan story, healing people on the Sabbath, it's not that the law is not important to Jesus. It's just that it's not the main point. Here, Jesus did not engage in a theological debate over adultery. He looked at the reality of a woman and of religious leaders who were both broken and in need of restoration. For us to see like Jesus, we need to quiet ourselves and look at the reality of what is going on around us. We also need to take a look at our life. Verse 7 says, they continued to question him. So he stood up and replied, whoever hasn't sinned should throw the first stone. Bending down again, he wrote on the ground. You know, it's, it's hard to look at our own life, isn't it? Our brains aren't built that way to function so that we see what we are doing wrong. There was a research project in psychology that highlighted how people view themselves. And in the first part of the study, uh, they gave participants feedback on whether they had a low proclivity for anger or a high proclivity. Those that were given that high proclivity for anger were more likely to see other people as angry than those who were given the low 
number. And in a second part of the study, uh, they, they changed it up and did it with this dishonesty instead of anger. And when participants were told that they were dishonest, they were again more likely to see other people as dishonest. But the more interesting point in this second story is that participants who were rated, who rated other people as dishonest, were less likely to see dishonesty, dishonesty in themselves. To put it differently, when people are led to believe they have a negative trait, they're more likely to see that negative trait in other people. And even more so, when they're given that negative trait, they're less likely to see it in themselves. When Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, he asks this important question, why do you see the splinter that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Uh, Y'all know I'm a fan of Eugene Peterson, who, who wrote, Uh, a paraphrase of the Bible called the message because I use it quite a bit. Here's how the message puts this part of the Sermon on the Mount. It says, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures or criticize their faults unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, paying a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. For us to see like Jesus, we need to look at our own life first so that then we can truly offer love and support to the people around us. This means we need to lay down the stones that we hurl at people on a daily basis. In verse 10, after the people had left one by one, Jesus stood up and said, woman, where are they? Is there no one to condemn you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, don't sin anymore. I wonder what the people in the temple had to say after this exchange. Do you think that the people in the temple were walking around and whispering to each other, "Uh, hey, Jesus doesn't believe In the scriptures, I mean, he didn't condemn the woman like the law of Moses commands, did he? Those who thought Jesus was out of bounds were missing the point. 
something very important that happened in this text. He didn't let her go with no strings attached, did he? He didn't condone the actions that were uh, prohibited by the law of Moses. He told her to go and sin no more. He essentially said that how you live your life matters. You need to look at where you're going. We're all going somewhere. We all have a choice of wearing the cloudy glasses of the way we view the world, or we have the chance to have our glasses cleaned and see like Jesus and bring his message of second chances and restoration to our community and the world. What will you choose? I hope that you'll choose to see like Jesus. Verse 12, after Jesus has this discourse at the temple, says this. Jesus spoke to the people again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is important because this is what Jesus did next. He did not give up on those religious leaders at the temple. Jesus spoke to the people again. He didn't give up on them and he won't give up on us either. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for loving us in a way that only you can love us. Oh God, we pray that we can wash off all the things that cloud our judgment so that we may see like you. In Jesus' name, amen.